Welcome, everyone. Episode 65 of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Steve Giordano here today from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hall of Fame producer, Mrs. Candy Hooder. I pronounced that correctly? You did. You did. <laughs> yeah, it was great to, to meet you at the convention um, and really kind of get a little bit of your backstory. You know, you've really done an amazing job here. I mean, 450 families last year, first full-time year. Um, let's start kind of, you know, earlier on in life, you know, born and bred in Pittsburgh. How was that life growing up? I was rough. Um, I grew up poor and, you know, there wasn't, wasn't much money to do anything. We were struggling to pay the bills and just, I, I knew that wasn't the lifestyle I was meant to live. I knew that was the lifestyle I was not going to live. There was just no way. So yeah, but Pittsburgh is great. You know, the people are really nice. I can't say anything bad about, I mean, the driving's awful, but <laughs> if you're out driving in the middle of the city, but other than that, everybody's pretty neighborly, you know, so. I lived in Pennsylvania for, God, like three years, but I was in like more like the Philly, King of Prussia, Westchester area, but I'd went to Pittsburgh a bunch of times and I really enjoyed it. You're right. It's got that kind of like people are just salt of the earth type of people there. Yeah. Yeah. Very down to earth. Everybody accepts you for who you are, which is kind of nice. You know, people aren't like that fake nice to your face and then, you know, talk about you behind your back kind of thing. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's not typical. <laughs> it's not, not, <laughs> not prevalent. So that's, yeah. that's cool. And it's interesting, you know, when we're growing up and the things that impact us of, you know, one way or the other, you know, I have things in my life, same way where I was like, you know, financially, I want to be in a better position and we always want better for our kids and what have you. So it's interesting that you had that and you were like, Hey, I'm going to do something different and make it happen. So that was at a pretty young age that that hit you, right? Yeah, I was probably about 10 and I watched my mom doing her bills and she was um, struggling on to pay the water to pay the electric. And I just remember thinking, like, what can I do to help? And I'm, I've always had that mentality, like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help people? And that was that was really like where it kind of took off for me. Like my whole life, I just always wanted to do something really big that helps people. So, I mean, this business, that's the epitome of that. Like you're helping people with finding a better job. You're finding people, you know, helping people with finding a better policy or a good policy to protect their family. So it just really resonated with me. Love that. So now the vision as you, you know, you're a young girl and going through school, um, did you go to college and wh what were you going for at that point, knowing that you wanted more? I did go for physical therapy assistant. I graduated top of my class, which was a pretty big deal because I was a single mom at the time. So, you know, I was I was struggling through college. I got my grades, but I quickly realized, like, I'm not going to find wealth in this in this area of life. Like, I'm just I'm going to cap out at this. That's it. It doesn't matter where I live. I'm, I'm not going to make anything more than that. And I thought to myself, do I really want to? It struggled just on a different level, right? My mom struggled in poverty, but I still would have struggled. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do this or do that. I wanted options in my life. So entrepreneurship was the only option in my head. So, you know, essentially, when you go into being an entrepreneur, you know, you're just choosing which hard do you want? Do you want to do you want the hard where, you know, you're making someone else's dreams come true? Or you do you want the hard where you're making your own dreams come true? 
So I chose, I want my own dreams to come true. I want to control my own life. And that's the insurance industry just really took that to a whole nother level. Amen. What was the first, the first entrepreneurial venture that you took? Like what type of industry was the first thing you looked at? I sold Cutco knives, which I love Cutco knives. I do. I absolutely love them. But to, I don't know if anybody else has ever sold Cutco knives, but you sell completely on referrals. You do all friends and family. And these knives are not cheap. They're like $50 a knife. So mm. you're looking at a very pricey, um, you know, pr product to sell to your friends and family. And it, I did very well at it, but when I saw the, when COVID hit, the life insurance industry just kind of popped up and really resonated with me. And when I found out I could buy leads, it was over. <laughs> I was like, yes, I can respond to what people are actually wanting. Definitely sold right there. How many years did you do the knives? About two. And I started doing the events and literally overnight I was on my way to a Pittsburgh event, a home and garden show. And they called and they said, turn around, everything's closed down, COVID hit, done. And I knew my whole schedule for the year. I was gonna make six figures working 60 days that year. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, I felt like I made it at that point, right? Mm. Well, I'm only working 60 days this year, I'm making six figures, that was nice. <laughs> I felt pretty proud of myself at that point. It, but it, I feel like it happened for a reason, like with right. COVID, every, way it happened and i i don't like to say it like that because i mean a lot of people died with covid but you know i feel like in my life there was a big reason that everything happened the way that it did and i'm really glad yeah wow that's incredible so really for them as an industry not that i want to focus on them but they couldn't essentially evolve their business to a different model like do they sell virtual like did they do anything to kind of adapt to what was going on they eventually did but I wasn't willing to just kind of sit back and, yeah. and wait for that to evolve. I wanted to do something now. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> or make you got to take control of your own life. I agree. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I feel like when COVID hit here for us, um, I know me personally, I was still going out and we were just playing that, like I'll sit in the driveway card. And, and I, I wrote more, I wrote double that year. Because to me, I was like, everybody's home. Like, this is actually really cool. They're all home. <laughs> like, nobody's yeah. no showing me anymore. That's cool. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it. Like, uh, what you do is sit outside their door and just kind of speak through, like, the screen. You know what it was? It was in booking the appointments, you obviously got objection of, like, hey, the, the pandemic, whatever. And then when you kind of were able to talk them down a little bit, it was like, hey, like, I'm going to, and obviously I'm in Florida, so that helps. Hey, we can sit in the, you know, in a chair in front of my car or do it on the hood or whatever, you know, but you need this because there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's interesting how we really evolved as a company. The industry obviously did. And it actually forced us, I think at the time, because we were not big into the, Hey, we're going to be the telesales world. We were kind of against it in a sense. And I think it was good because it really opened everybody's eyes. Yeah, I agree. Cause when I first started here, I was, I was in home for about six months at the previous company but then once I left, my car got, my husband got into an accident in the car. So I didn't have a vehicle. I was, so it was do or die. You got to figure out telesales or, you know, nothing's going to happen. And I did not start out with the discipline needed to do telesales. I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're going to get into that for sure. 
Yeah, yes. But I, I was kind of forced into it. And I I do agree that it opened everybody's eyes more to it. And I'm glad that it did because now it changed a lot of people's lives. And, you know, with the numbers that people are hitting are just, it's every week you look at the leaderboards, it's like, wow. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> kind of unbelievable. Yeah. So, so now you go from Cutco and you go to another insurance company before FFL. Um, like, how did that fall into your lap and how did that experience go? So I found it on ZipRecruiter and essentially I, I got hired. I did training. There wasn't much training. I'll be honest. It was like one video and it was two and a half minutes. I'm not even kidding. It was wow. two and a half minutes. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> and one piece of paper and said, see you later. <laughs> and that was it. I went out. I, I was paying, I think, $25 a lead. And I was getting paid 60% commission. Um, getting paid, you know, up front 75% of that. But I, the deal was I had to buy all of the leads in my area or I didn't get the leads. Hmm. So there was days I was spending, you know, four or five, six, seven hundred dollars on leads that, yes, I can work on, but I can only work so many as it just being me. And I wasn't making that. So, you know, my, my commissions were coming in like three, four hundred dollars, you know, and I was spending more on leads than what I was getting paid. So I went, I went into debt pretty quickly on my credit cards. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out, but it just wasn't about six months went in and I was just, something's got to change. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I, I found FFL online, but I thought it was a scam. <laughs> I saw it a couple of times, saw a couple of videos. I'm like, that's not even a real thing. Get out of here. <laughs> Passed it up. And I finally talked to Michelle Lockhart and she, she, yeah, I mean, I was instantly sold just talking to her because she was just real. She was raw. She was real. She was like, yeah, I'm yeah. here with the kids, sick, this and that. I'm like, wow, this is like a real person over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the culture here is amazing, so. I love that. So now, were you doing with that other company, were you 100% virtual or were you doing any in-home? I was doing only in-home and I was okay. doing more in yeah. Got it. Oh, the leads were, I, I mean, what basically the call-in leads are over here at FFL. That's what they were. Gotcha. So I was buying, you know, call-in leads for 25 a piece and I had to buy all of them. Like I said, they came in. Yeah. So it got pretty pricey pretty quick. So interesting. So now you come here and you essentially started what was like December of 21. Around yeah. There. December. Right at the very end, like December 28th, I think was, okay. yeah, so my when first you, So when you come here, you started in-home and then evolved to virtual? No, I went straight into virtual okay. because I didn't, um, not that I wanted, I wanted to start in-home, but I had to kind of just switch over and, you know, take the hit and start the virtual. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of trainings. I, I lived off the Eric Walker videos. Like it was one of the only ones out there at the time. Just watched it over and over in the shower, all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I figured this thing out. For sure. So now, and I want to touch upon the virtual because I think we did a very good job and you did a great job when you were talking leads um, with me on that panel. The good, the bad, and the ugly of virtual, because to me, I think obviously it has a tremendous place in what we're doing, but you got to set it up correctly with the proper expectations. So give me a couple things, lead flow, lead spend, discipline, and time 
for what and what do you average a month? You're probably averaging about what 40 to 50 families a month, something like that. Well, I'm averaging between 60 to 80. So okay. in between there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just 60 to 80. That's all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no big deal. She does it like, like, you know, popping TikToks. So walk me through, I'm a new agent and let, let's say I want to do, you know, 20 to 30 families. What is that? Cause I'm assuming you probably first couple months you were doing about that probably. Yeah, I was doing about that. Um, so that's, that was my first six months. I was between 20 and 30 and then it took off after July. So, so if I'm new and we'll walk through the evolution of it, if I'm new and I want to do that 20 to 30, the way you did, what do I need to do? So I would spend about a thousand on leads. If you're doing telesales, you're going to, you're going to want to get the internet leads. The one in three months, you're going to get more swings with the bat. It's just what it is. Plus you want, you really want to get good at your objections. So my, my advice is to find one objection that works really good for almost all, all, all the objections, essentially just it, cause then you're confident saying it. And when you work the internet leads, I mean, they're cheaper, but you're looking at, like I said, getting more swings with the bat, you can pull more money out of them. And then you have, you have more room for error. So, you know, when you're, just starting out, you're going to make errors. You're going to, you're going to mess up. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to get pounded in the salt. <laughs> it's just what it is. But I'd rather spend less money to do that than to spend more money. It doesn't, a lead's a lead. It doesn't matter whether you spend $80 on a lead or $4 on a lead. It's still a person on the other side of that phone, regardless. So if you look at it like that, would you rather have 200 people to talk to, or would you rather have, you know, five, five to 10 people to talk to if you buy the more expensive leads. So definitely start off with a cheaper lead, get used to your objections, get your confidence level and really, really practice your script. Like you, you definitely want to be practicing your script two, three hours in the morning. Like, and I'm not kidding. That's what I had to do to really get, get going quickly. If you want to drag your feet on it, be my guest, but if you don't do a couple hours each morning, you're going to be looking a month later, like, oh, I'm not pulling any money out of my leads. So lead spend, I'd say about a grand to two grand to kind of get yourself up and running. Eventually, you know, you'll start really pulling some money from that, get used to your objections. And then you can start, you know, looking into other leads. But to start, you definitely want to start with cheaper leads. For sure. Now, I'm assuming your dial time has got to be long obviously and arduous so what does that look like are you trying to do one call closes predominantly or are you booking a later virtual appointment so i do one call close i just find that i talk to more people when i don't book appointments that's just my preference so mm -hmm. it's all in preference with that but me personally i talk to six to ten people a day on one call to close but you have to be very very disciplined to do one call to close. It's not going to work if, you know, you're making 10 dollars and you get up and you go play with the dog. That's what I did in the beginning and I wasn't doing very well. So I had to force myself to literally lock myself in like a closet and I had my husband bring me food for like two weeks. I forced myself <laughs> to sit in a chair, don't move. Yeah. I had literally, I had like two bathroom breaks through the day. I'm not kidding. I did this and I had him bring me food and I forced myself and my body to like acclimate to discipline and sitting here and getting the dials in. And I would put in a thousand dials a day and I would get a hold of, you know, 10 to 20 people and 10, 10, 15 of them told me to pound salt. And 
you know, the other five I would present to or talk to and I would sell one. Now the numbers are a little different after you get better at this and you hone your skills, but that's what you can expect in the beginning. And to me, I mean, that's still really good odds. Like you're still pulling a thousand dollars a day. So can't really beat that. (laughs) And how many days a week? And we'll start then, I guess. Are you actually dialing and doing the one call closes? Is it three, four, six? So I'm working six, seven days a week. So every other week I did start alternating, taking off Sundays. Last year, I dedicated the whole year to just figuring this thing out, getting it up and running. Everybody said, if you can make it a year, you're golden. And that's true. So Yes. Amen. My my whole family was so behind me on it, though. I mean, I miss birthdays, holidays. I miss... I sacrificed everything, but the way I looked at it was sacrifice now. So you never have to sacrifice later. Mm. And I, I'm so happy that I did. So I'm just going to pause and anybody watching this, she hasn't said one word about an IUL, a term, a whole life. She said nothing about an actual insurance policy. The only thing she's literally focused on is how long she's dialing, what she spends on leads and the discipline and sacrifice. Am I hearing you correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because Definitely. here's the biggest thing for me. Everybody's so, oh my God, I have to know like what the CBO does. Like, no, you don't. You need to sit your ass down and dial the phone for eight hours is what you need to do. Discipline a hundred percent because everything else comes with it, right? It, the discipline includes like, okay, in the morning, you're going to take time to read and take time to learn your products. That will come with it. But if you don't have the discipline to sit down and do the dials to begin with, what's the point? Love that. So, so all right. So then from, let's say you're starting at 8, wh- what time are you typically done dialing, doing your one call closes on average? So what I think is really important, too, I do work from like 7.30 a.m. I start a half hour early. I schedule in my breaks, my requirements, my texts, my emails, and I don't stop until about 9, 10 o'clock at night. But I do take a break in the middle of the day. So for a walk, for meditation, you know, reset my mind for the evening. So I take about an hour to two hours in the middle there, eat, you know, cook, things like that. But I go later in the evening because I have a lot of Hawaii leads. So, you know, and I got to get them after they get off work. So. And you actually just brought me to the next thing I wanted to touch upon. So I'd assume early on you you might have had one state license or a few. How many do you have now? 23. So 23 states. And how many months in did you kind of evolve to 23? So what I did is I dedicated each week whatever I had come in. Uh, you got to reinvest back into your business, right? So I would reinvest in leads and then I'd find one to two states I can reinvest back in that week. So I started doing this about three months in. I started realizing, hey, my state, you know, there's leads here, but I can venture out into and get better leads or more leads, you know, over here, whatever. So, you know, different time zones also adds in um, extra time for you to dial. And you, you know, if you, and when you're first starting, like if you're on the East Coast and you add Hawaii, you're adding an extra so many hours in the evening to help you with any errors you might have had through the day. So if you didn't pull anything by this time, take a break and go hit, back, hit it in the evening for a couple hours and see if you pull anything in the evening. And I bet you you do. <laughs> so love that. 
So dial patterns. I don't think this is really talked about uh, enough. Um, I'd assume you probably use some different apps on your phone or what have you to dial. So I use phone burner and I do have the app called phone burner on my iPhone where you get 10 lines. Yeah. So the top dates that I call for mortgage protection because you can't really put those in phone burner. And then my internet leads go right into phone burner and I, I have about 20 different numbers for local numbers for the areas that I'm calling and I register all my numbers. So that is a problem we have scam you know, spam calling on our numbers. So you want to make sure that they're registered on freecallregistry.com. So that's very good advice. And I don't think I've ever really heard, but it makes sense. You know, my thing I tell people when they, when they ask me a question, I say, what carrier do you have? And they'll say AT&T. And I'll say, yeah, you should call your carrier. It's actually an issue with your carrier. Anyway, what time are you home tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> it's always their fault. Not mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just act surprised if it comes up spam. I'll, really? I, yeah. Crazy. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check on that. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> I sound like a real person, and you're a real person. So I don't see any problem here. Yeah. So now, as as you evolved in the months, and you're kind of going from that 20 to 30, and now 60 to 80 families. Um, obviously, like you said, incorporating some mortgage leads. Um, how many actual um, vendors do you use for mortgage? So I use two. I only use two, okay. honestly. The rest of my leads. So I, I, a lead's a lead. I work all leads. Amen. I, um, I hit 30 a week using just internet leads. So I don't want to hear that it's a special lead or anything of that nature. Because if you work, they work. If you're not working, you're not working on your tonality. You're not working on finding the need in the appointment. You're not working on acting helping these people if you don't know your script how can you possibly help them you're too focused on yourself so i to me it's it's not the leads it's definitely you so yeah. you need to reevaluate where am i going wrong and what am i doing and then kind of you know hit back at it and record yourself listen to yourself because you might think you're saying it just like erica walker or caitlin blackburn and you're not <laughs> so record yourself listen to yourself send it to somebody look for help i mean i feel like new agents don't do that enough so yeah i agree and i i think a lot of times the ones that do they ask for help but they don't actually put in they're not sitting at their desk and getting handed lunch for 30 minutes like you were you know what i mean like that you need to do that and then you get a little bit of that push of help and then all right boom, you're going to learn and grow. So what, yeah. what did your lead spend evolve to, to where it's at, at this point where you're at like that 80 family mark? I think I saw you did a hundred once, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, where is it about now? About, I'd say about three, four a week. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I auto, I auto invest as much as possible. Just meaning to have leads that you are charged for weekly that automatically come in. Right. So that's really helped because then, you know, I don't actually have to pull the trigger. It's on automatic. <laughs> sure. And then buy, I buy leads as I need to fill in the gaps. So. Yeah. And, and if you broke that down, right. So let's say th that lead spend is roughly 200 to 210 and you help 450. And then what everybody I think always forgets. And now you're living in this world, the back end money the renewal money, 
Like that's a pretty good, pretty good ROI, you know, for any business yeah. in America. Um, were you ever scared being in the position you were at that other company where you were losing some money? Were you ever scared about spending that much or no? I was never scared to spend on leads because I believed in myself. And that's the number one thing I, in this, in this industry, if you don't believe in yourself, you're going to have a hard time buying leads. But if you know that no matter what, you're going to make those leads work. If you got to go door knock them, whatever you have to do, if you believe in yourself, there's no, no doubt that you'll spend money on leads. Now, did I want to spend more money on leads? Not really, <laughs> but right. I, that, you know, I would eventually catch on to this thing and it was going to blow up. I just, I couldn't worry about all the little details, just do, do, do. And eventually it all catches up. I love it. Cause you know, again, you're, you're talking about the, the hardest part of everything you've said is just the time and the discipline and the sacrifice of like giving up some stuff to, I'm assuming your, your family and kids are living a better life than they previously had. Oh, hundred percent. I gave everything up. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but the way I looked at it was I wanted to learn this as fast as possible. Yeah. So how can I do that? I put all my time and efforts into learning this, making myself better, make my mindset better. Cause you have to be able to take rejection, you know, and just working on all the things that are going to make a difference in this business so that I could take our family and myself to the next level. So that's all I focused on for a whole year. And I mean, it was worth it. It was, it was hard. It was tough. Like I, you know, I see everybody else doing 4th of July things and I, I did nothing. I sat back, but you know what? I helped 10 families on 4th of July. So, yeah, I mean, made it different in my family's life on the long term. It's so incredible because the reality is there's so many people that they want more and they throw out all these goals and how many people you see at convention. I'm going to be a Hall of Fame producer. And everybody has the ability to discipline themselves to at least put themselves in the position to do it. And right. then there's there's that, and then there's having the guts to spend the money and believe in yourself, like you said, and I agree with that a thousand percent. The reason people don't spend the money is because they don't believe in themselves enough. Like, you know you're going to get up and kill it. You just know. Yeah. And, and you know you're going to get beat up all day, too. Yeah. But you know what? That makes you feel even more proud. Like some people hate that. I can't say I loved it in the beginning, but it makes you feel more proud that you did something hard today. You did something hard that most other people don't want to do. And that's how you get to somewhere that nobody else is at by doing stuff that other people don't want to do. So it makes me feel good when I get beat up all day. I like that. Because tomorrow is going to be better. And I know it's making me better in the long run. Right. And the reality is like, there's plenty of people that want to get insurance, you know, like it's not like, you know, things that people don't want. It's just maybe the first five people I spoke to weren't the ones, you know what I mean? But the next three of them are or whatever that case might be. So now let's talk conventional a bit. So you did an incredible job talking leads. Um, were you nervous up there? Oh, a hundred percent. I, I get nervous on video still amongst being on stage. That's for sure. I think you but, said that to me. You're like, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I'm like, Oh, you're going to be fine. You're natural. I, it's just, I don't know. It's not something I'm used to, but it's something I want to get used to and I need to. So get, get uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Amen. 
So it was your second convention, obviously the same place. You're in Miami last year, and we talked a little bit earlier about how you know last year your agenda was one thing, and then this year it was different. Talk to us about how that evolved. The last year I was running around, and like I said, I was doing telesales, and there wasn't a whole lot of you know agents that were doing telesales. Now there was two or three of them, I think, but that was my goal: find them, figure out what they're doing. You know, have I had my top three questions that I was asking them. And then this year, completely different, right? So people were approaching me, asking me questions, and I had more more of a goal to figure out how to build. You know, I want to help other people change their families' lives. And I kept this, I didn't recruit from the beginning, and I do regret that because now I feel selfish about it. You know, and I, I was looking at it differently um, you know, I need to figure everything out. I need to make sure I have everything down pat before I go recruiting. And that's not true. We have so many people here that are willing to help you and help your, your team and help them get to the next level as well as you and you guys can grow together. But I didn't look at it like that in the beginning. And I wish I would have, because I feel like I would have helped a lot more people as far as changing their lives. Yeah. But that goal this year is to build a massive team, <laughs> massive. So yeah. And, and I love, you know, the intentionality because the reality is like you can legit do whatever you want to do here. If you want to sell a hell of a lot, if you want to build a hell of a you can do whatever you want. And there's somebody right. here who's more than willing to tell you, probably hundreds of people that'll tell you. Um, oh, and th th they'll also tell you like it's funny whenever I get asked that question or I ask somebody those type of questions, immediately we all go to the regret. You know what I mean? Like we immediately were like, man, I wish I would have done this earlier. I would have done this better. We literally all go to regret. I don't know what it is. I think it's the culture here that like we're always striving for more and we never look at it like, oh my God, we arrived. You know what I mean? Because we haven't. None of us have. Yeah. Yeah. You can always push past the limits and every day on the leaderboard, as you can see, it's just going higher and higher. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, I regret it just because I feel selfish about it, honestly, you know, and I don't want to feel like I'm a selfish person. I always sure. try to give back, but it was selfish keeping it to myself. I no longer, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I even talk about it to all my clients now, like, Hey, you want to come over and sell insurance? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I recruited a whole family yesterday. There you go. Uh, the, father and daughter um both have a license and the mother was complaining she was paying for everything i'm like well bring them over here and this is what we'll start them at she's like okay yeah. <laughs> so love that i mean talk to everybody about it why not right. i mean love that what was the yeah. number one best piece of advice you got um on building on building um trying to think I mean, I got so much great advice. Zach Trudelsky gave me some good advice and he sent me an outline of the messaging and kind of the structure of it. So like I said, I think I told you before, I was just going for the kill. And he was talking about how you kind of wine and dine him a little bit, you know, be genuine about it. Yeah. But for pictures, you, you know, you comment on different things, you're going to conversate with these people a little bit before you just kind of go in for you know asking them and then the structure that he gave me was just phenomenal so you know three two one basically like three likes two comments one message you know over time and and that's that's what i've been going by and it's been working pretty good i'm only, I'm only a weekend but it's going pretty good so far so 
Yeah, and you know, it's it's a it's an ebb and a flow. You know, it's like a process. Um, but the stuff, I think, probably the biggest thing that you just said that is actually the answer is when you flat out talk about it all the time. It's like anything that you focus on will grow. It just takes yep. an immense amount of focus. That's all. Yep, a hundred percent. Love that. Well, this has been a clinic, and I, I'm really glad we were able to kind of dive into a lot of the telesales stuff because a lot of people are still trying to navigate their way through, and I think you did a great job of just giving the right expectations. You know, like you didn't say, hey, I dial for 10 minutes and I protect 80 families a month. Like, no, it's not that. So thank you for kind of setting the record straight. Yeah, not a problem, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Really, I'm honored and um glad to see you and it was nice seeing you at convention so yeah absolutely and uh we got to get you down visit south florida for sure um and you'll, you'll be hooked and you'll want to move here i promise oh i i'm already hooked i love the ocean so i i'll be honest probably another six months i'll, I'll be down <laughs> all right good deal all right well thank, thank you dear really appreciate you coming on and uh, hope to see you soon all right see you soon have a good okay. day thanks